What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by Fenley Road Sports. If you're interested in what you're hearing, you can always check us out on FenleyRoadSports.com or follow us on Twitter at FenleyRDSports. My name is Bob. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. Chris, uh, we had some a little trouble earlier in the week planning our podcast. We weren't really sure what we were going to do. We were texting back and forth with ideas because the trade deadline was looking kind of boring. It proved to be anything but uh, just some quick stats. Seven first-rounders were traded at the NBA trade deadline. 39 players were involved, and 12 trades were made. I think that's the most successful trade deadline I've seen in a long time. What were your thoughts? All of it happened in like 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, the trade deadline was at 3 in the afternoon. At like 2.40, I'm kind of freaking out. I'm like, what are we going to talk about on what are you talking about? <laughs> because we got nothing for the trade deadline. I thought we might have to go to croquet or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then, Thursday morning we, we didn't have a topic, and the topic wrote itself a, a lot to talk right. about now. Yeah, there were a lot of, like, all day long it was a lot of, like, maybe, maybe, and then all those maybes turned out to be yeses, and it was, it was crazy. It was fun. I was watching Twitter the whole time, and it was just insane. Yeah, definitely. So, Which one stood out to you? Which one do you want to go to first? There, there's a lot to talk about what but what's your yeah, favorite one? Well, right now, I think the Miami Heat um, yeah. are the headliners, not just on the trade deadline, but they've had a crazy week. But, you know, the trade trades alone, I thought they did great, getting Goran Dragic and yeah. his brother Zoran Dragic, which is kind of funny, Goran and Zoran. Yeah, I don't but, <laughs> but getting, getting the Dragic brothers to come to Miami, I think that, A, it's an instant upgrade at point guard, you have a depth at the guard position that starting lineup with Whiteside, Dang, Wade and Bosch, we'll talk more about Bosch in a minute, for sure is on paper looked deadly, it, they became the team nobody wanted to play in the first round in the Absolutely. Eastern Conference yeah there was talk for, for the 12 hours between the trade and the, the Bosch announcement where this was the best starting five in, in all of basketball and I I may disagree with that, but it, they definitely deserve consideration. That is a scary starting five. It, it was a scary starting five. I, I wouldn't have gone that bold and said it was the best in all of basketball. you got to give respect to the starting fives that have been doing it all year. Oh, absolutely. Like Golden yeah. State. And I still think Cleveland would have been a, a more complete team. I mean, they destroyed the Knicks uh, earlier this today. So, uh yeah, I, I, but I agree. I think the Miami Heat would have become the team nobody wanted to face. And with an eight-game deficit on the sixth seed, they would have probably played a one or a two, which would have been a nightmare for a team like Atlanta or Toronto if they would have gotten the, one of the top two seeds, or even Chicago. I think the Heat, that lineup would have matched up very well with Atlanta yeah. and would have matched up very well with Chicago. And I, I, I would have been very scared to play them in the first round until the unfortunate news uh, with Chris Bosh came out with the, the blood clot situation in his lung. And obviously that's a, a very deflating situation for, you know, on, on so many levels. But from a fan's perspective, if you're a Heat fan, you're you're crushed because now you can't win. A, I don't think they can win a playoff series without Chris Bosh. No, definitely not. Definitely an emotional roller coaster, probably 24 hours of, of a super high and a super low following the trade and then 12 hours later you find out Chris Bosch is out with blood clots in his lungs um, before the trade was made I still have my doubts that they could win a playoff series uh, 
Uh, and these these doubts were further amplified by the absence of Bosch. Um, two reasons. Hassan Whiteside, yeah, he's played lights out, but he's only played 27 games with the Heat this year. To rely on that kind of production and to rely on the sky-high production that he's giving for a guy who's essentially a rookie. I know it's his third NBA season, but he's essentially a rookie. Um, to, to rely on that kind of production is a very risky move. That's further amplified by the absence of Bosch, who's stretching the power forwards out to the three-point line. Insert Udonis right. Haslam. Now you got two guys in the post. So right. it'll be interesting to see. He was already regressing closer to the mean and falling back to earth a little bit before the trade deadline. I think he's going to continue to regress a little bit. Still a really good talent, and I think they found something, but I think he's going to regress a little bit. And my second point being Dwayne Wade isn't afforded the the luxury of rest that he was afforded the past two years. They need him down the stretch. Uh, they have 28 games left. The, they need him for all 28 of those games, and they need, need him to play 30-plus minutes. Going into the first round of the playoffs, he's already going to be a little bit worn down, like we see, like we've seen him worn down the past two years in the finals. If that makes sense, so I, yeah, I know Wade's gonna he's gonna get production, he's gonna get points, but there's always a breaking point with him in terms of mileage in the season, and it's gonna come quicker this year for sure. I agree 100% with everything you said about Whiteside, not to take anything away from what he's done, but I compare him to Jeremy Lin, not positionally-wise, but Jeremy Lin came into this league and just tore it up, and he was great, and it was a very small sample size, and after a while, he wasn't as good as that initial surge. Whiteside is having a phenomenal uh, 25-27 game stretch, but it is a very small sample size. Let's see if he can keep this up. I don't think he. I don't think it's possible to play at the level he's been playing on a consistent basis. That's not to say he's not going to be a really good player. That's not to say he's not going to be a key piece in their team. Yeah. But I definitely think he's going to come back down to earth. And I agree also with Wade. I mean, there's always concern about Wade uh, getting too many miles on him. Yeah. And and I, I just think when you look at the teams that they'll have to match up with in the first round without having Chris Bosh to to guard some of these power forwards like Pau Gasol or Paul Millsap, I just don't see that happening. Things that get lost, Chris Bosh does not get enough credit for his defense because he had to play the five the last couple of years in guard centers. He's actually not a bad defender at the four. You can do a ton worse than him. I just don't see. He'll, he, he would have made those guys work on the other end. He would have been able to guard them better on the defensive end. It's a huge loss. He's, he's their best player now, and you can't go into the playoffs without him and expect to win. So it's unfortunate, but I do think the Dragic trade sets them up for the future if they can retain him. And by all intent, it seems like he wants to be in Miami. So that's sure. a nice little core they got going there. And, and, and hopefully next year, or maybe next year, I don't want to say hopefully because I, I don't really like the Heat that much as a fan. Yeah, but neither maybe do I. <laughs> next year they can uh, you know, take a step forward. But talking about a team that actually has become a team nobody wants to see in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. The Oklahoma City Thunder. And I was saying this before the trade deadline. Now, oh my gosh, how did they do it? Yeah, uh, Enos Cantor is definitely better than Kendrick Persons. Perkins, sorry. <laughs> uh, I think he's he's a, a great offensive center, and he's improving on the defensive side. 
and he's young. He he's growing and he's young. Uh, yeah, they're scary. It was already coming together, and they didn't need to improve to be a scary team in that first round. But now that they have a legitimate center in there, uh, yeah, I I I would be scared if I was Golden State. I mean, it's hard to bet against Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in any matchup. Now they have hey. a really good team with them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm scared for him. Hey, let's not forget about uh, DJ Augustine and Kyle Singler. I mean, Kyle Singler's an excellent player. He can play the three, the two. He can he can swing, guard multiple positions. Yeah. DJ Augustine's an excellent backup point guard. I mean, if he's your backup point guard, you're a loaded team. And they also got Steve Novak in the trade, who is a solid shooting specialist. And yeah, for so sure. I think this high white robbery. I mean, they got all this for. Reg Jackson and Kendrick Perkins and a couple of guys who I've never heard of. Yeah, very, very odd that the Jazz were so loose with, with their assets. I know they got a, a first-rounder from Oklahoma City, but how valuable is a first-rounder from Oklahoma City? It's essentially a, a guaranteed 20 to 30 pick in the first round. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a 2017 pick, so who knows? If, I, I I don't know all the protections on it because I don't think it's come to light yet because they, they haven't because they they've already traded their 2015 pick, so they can't trade picks in in back to back years. So it, I think it's their 2017 pick, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if the Thunder have Kevin Durant uh, in 2017, which you know he can walk in 2016, I believe. So yeah. You know, maybe if there aren't many restrictions on it, it can materialize. But I hate it's like in baseball. I hate trading proven talent for prospects. Draft picks in the NBA are prospects unless they're top three. And nowadays, they're all protected out of that because of the Baron Davis fiasco. Thanks, Clippers, for giving us Kyrie Irving. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm always a fan. Um, and then the Thunder in win now mode. They they need oh, absolutely. to do something. That window is not going to stay open forever, especially every night they see James Harden tear it up for Houston. It's just another that wrenches that knife deeper in their sides because that trade is has been haunting them ever since it was made. Yeah, you um, could make a you could make a team of Oklahoma City castoffs, and you would make a really good team that includes Jeff Green, Reggie Jackson, and James Harden. That's a good that's a good uh, point guard, shooting guard, and small forward right there. Uh, they've had tons of draft picks that they just have given away that are are making noise around the league. I'm happy that Reggie Jackson got what he wanted, but I'm also sad that he wasn't able to just buy into being the backup point guard behind one of the best point guards in the league and, and going for a title. It always makes me sad when talent doesn't want to be on one of the most talented teams in the league. Like what? Yeah. I, I agree. I, it's like, what are you playing for? I mean, you know, why not yeah. just play out your contract, try to win a ring? You're going to get paid if you hit free agency. But you're not, I mean, it, I don't understand it. Like, what are you playing for? You're trying to win a championship. It's not like he wasn't getting any time there. Yeah, it made no sense. But he does land on the Pistons, who, um, before the Brandon Jennings injury, uh, definitely has a big need at point guard. Jackson should fill yeah. in there. And now that ever since they got rid of Josh Smith, they've been playing better, especially when they had Jennings. Jackson can fill that role, and and they might be a a little deeper of a sleeper, but I think they'll creep into the playoffs. I think they're better than Charlotte. So you're saying they're gonna be the eighth seed? I think I, I picked the Pistons to make the playoffs in the preseason, so I'm not gonna bail on them now. But yeah, I think that they could get that eighth seed. They're only a few games out, and, and I don't think Charlotte's that impressive. All right, let's write it down. I agree with oh, you. Man. I'm I'm. Okay. 
I'm I'm right there with you. I think Charlotte's gonna fall out. And Miami's gonna be seventh. That that's a light write it down though. That they only need to make up a few games though. I don't think that that's that bold. But well, if the, you want to write it down, we'll write it down. I mean, there are six teams fighting for those t- last two that's spots, true. and no, essentially true. none of them. Some of them improved, but none of them blew up their team. I mean, that's true. The Brooklyn really wanted to get rid of Brook Lopez, but they got hosed by OKC. Kind of comical. <laughs> they, you know, they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll trade Reggie Jackson. We'll trade Reggie Jackson." Actually, we got this better deal from Detroit and Utah. They're giving us everybody, so we we don't need you anymore. I would have taken the Detroit deal over Brook Lopez. I would have taken the Detroit deal and Ince Cantor over Brook Lopez. That's that's a no brainer. Yeah, I but think they Detroit, I think they made out. Detroit also got Tayshawn Prince, who's coming back to his hometown. Yeah, it's a home. They seem to have brought all back right. all five of those guys for their last year, <laughs> and and someone else is coming home too. Kevin Garnett going back to Minnesota. What the heck? Yeah. That was the biggest head scratcher to me. Thaddeus Young for Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I mean they both have expiring contracts, so it's essentially just a swap for for nothing. Uh, I don't know why Kevin Garnett would would turn down a shot at, at at least playing in the playoffs again you know brooklyn's right there they're one of those six teams fighting for that That's eighth true. seed um kind of weird but it, it's cool that he's going back he was lights out in minnesota he's their best player in their history and it'll yeah. be kind of cool to see him chewing out anthony bennett and andrew wiggins on a nightly basis and and just whipping them into shape wow. Well, first off, he's not going to be chewing out Andrew Wiggins too much. I think Andrew Wiggins has it together. Anthony Bennett, maybe he lights him up a little bit, but yeah, Andrew yeah. Wiggins, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, I don't think he has to say too much to Andrew Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins is on board. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's kind of a cool story. I mean, I, you're absolutely yeah. right. I believe he's their only MVP in their history. I don't know that for a fact, but I know he won the MVP, led them to their best record in the West once one year lost in the western conference finals in 04 so yeah he certainly has uh oh no that, maybe that was a, no 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 it was 04 um certainly has uh you know been amazing for that franchise and you know yeah. it's good to see him kind of end his career where it began i, I mean, think uh, i would describe it as cute it's a cute move that has no yes. impact for either team really i mean Brooke, he was already coming off the bench essentially thaddeus young he's probably an upgrade at this point yeah, for the I mean I, I would agree that that's that's probably got an upgrade. Uh, we'll see if they can resign him. Uh, I don't know if if that's going to happen or not, but but we'll see. But a move that's actually going to have a big impact on the on the playoffs and a, and a very underrated one was Portland's trade for Aaron Aflalo. For sure, I I always liked Aaron Aflalo, and when the Magic made it known that he was open for 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 trading. Uh, you know, I, I I wish that a whole bunch of teams had, had gone in and got him. He's a great guy that's going to come off the bench, give them depth. Portland has a great starting five that has logged the second most minutes as a unit together. And now they have Aaron Aflalo, who's who's a great scorer. He's got length on the wing. He can defend. Um, that's a guy that you need in the playoffs, and, and good for him that he finally has a chance to, to kind of show his worth. No, definitely, and and yeah, I think that they've added depth. They already have a strong uh, starting unit, and a Flalo is just going to give them another weapon to use in a brutal Western Conference. You need all the weapons you can get. 
uh, because when you're going to face a team like Oklahoma City or San Antonio in a 1-7 or 2-7 or 1-8 matchup potentially, or even the Clippers could slide all the way down to the eighth seed. That's just yeah, it's, ridiculous. It's a gauntlet. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, no, the Port- Portland needs all the help it can get. And, uh, you know, it was definitely a very savvy move. Didn't get a lot of hype, but, um, but yeah, it was it was a savvy move. But what I mean, what was Denver kind of thinking? I, I felt like they were a big question mark at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, they they were essentially a, a gold mine that that didn't get get mined at, at the deadline. A lot of teams had to have been calling them and looking at the talent and looking at their status in the Western Conference, which is looking in on the playoffs always that's they're perpetually good but not great hovering around 500 it's time to blow that team up and they really should have taken advantage of the fire sale that was the trade deadline this year I know they got two first round picks earlier in the year for Mozgov and now they got another one for Aflalo but uh, Ty Lawson Kenneth Fareed there's a lot more talent on there that that could get them some assets for sure and those Mozgov picks are—they have so many restrictions on them that yeah, they may like the not Pentagon. even materialize this year. Like yeah, exactly, it's like the Pentagon is like a bank vault there. Who knows? They may only get one of them this year. Oklahoma City's could fall into that range if they get the eight seed, but who knows? I mean, it, it was just a big head scratcher. Um, but yeah, the they, they should definitely have sale, sold sold some more. Oh yeah, they should have sold a lot more. I mean, Lawson—they they had assets and they and they definitely could have gotten something for them. Um, but the 76ers uh, kind of took uh, advantage of them a little bit. They got a first-round pick. One of the, the first-round picks they got from Cleveland, the Oklahoma City one, and yeah. uh, JaVale McGee in exchange for a guy I've never even heard of. Oh, yeah, what's that dude? Senk Akulo. Fun yeah. fact about that guy, he was drafted 10 years ago by Atlanta, has been traded three times in the past year, and has <laughs> never played a game in the NBA. And they that brings a, me <laughs> go ahead. So they gave JaVale McGee and a first round pick for this guy? It's just they JaVale McGee apparently is a cancer that's getting paid eleven million this year and twelve million next year and they want him off the team. Wow. And they yeah, they're that desperate. Um that that trade right there in a nutshell is kind of like when you examine NBA trades, you can't just take them at face value. You have to dig in and see exactly what is going on, what's the contract situation, right. what the protections are on these picks, where the pick right. came from. Because you read it and it's like, oh, Denver gave the 76ers a first-round pick. It's actually Oklahoma City's protected first-round pick that has all these protections and, and reverts I, back to stuff. So you really yeah, I think to, it's only they, – they have to be 19th for them. It's top 18 protected. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it, it and it loosens up the the later in the later years. Um but yeah, it it's complicated and uh that the seventy sixers, I think the initial reaction for everybody was like, Why are you rebuilding again? Like right. you now is you have the assets, start spending, start start trying to win. You're already tanking, why do you need more assets? But I really think this year, as opposed to other years when Sam Hinkie has been hoarding these draft picks, this year I think teams were just calling and throwing these first-round picks at him. And he's like, well, okay, I'll take another one. I mean, JaVale McGee in a first-round pick for this dude that's never going to play in the NBA, 
Who who would not take that deal if you have oh, the cap I space? That, I would have done the trade. I would have done that trade. Absolutely. But their next trade, I would not have done the the crazy Bucks Suns Seventy Sixers, and I've got two. What are you thinkings to hand out to two of those <laughs> teams? One of them being the Seventy Sixers. Why? I, I've never I've never heard of the reigning rookie of the year being traded the year after he wins it. Uh, well. Michael Carter Williams might be one of the most disappointing rookie of the years in in recent memory. He's a stat stuffer by virtue of playing for the 76ers. Uh he's 66 in a, in a point guard. So that means he has good rebounding skills. He can get some assists, he can get some points. But here are the numbers that he's doing this year. Shooting 256 behind the three-point line. Shooting 380 uh, on two pointers and he's a point guard he's not he, he's not gonna be uh your your star on and point guards grow on trees in the nba i i, I look through the league and i think there are probably five or six teams that don't have an average to above average point guard on their team and michael carter williams is one of them you can easily replace him the, the Sixers are going to have four first-round draft picks this year. You can find a better point guard in the draft for sure. I think Michael Carter-Williams is overrated because of the stats he puts up. I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. What are you talking about? See, I, I, see, I, don't, I don't understand why they would trade Michael Carter-Williams for a Lakers pick that's top-five protected that may not even materialize this year. And I understand what you're saying. Well, it's top-three protected next year. I don't think the right. Lakers are going to be any better next year well i mean you never know julius randall got hurt game one if kobe comes back with randall and uh kobe and they have a top five pick they could rebuild in a hurry yeah i i mean kobe if kobe's your star nobody's going there he's eating up all that cap and he's gonna get hurt again i i'm betting against him they're gonna be in the top 10 next year you can write that one down okay we'll write it down (laughs) we'll write it down but and look, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with top ten, but but the the point I'm making here is you have Michael Carter Williams. You spend all this time trying to find these guys. He won the Rookie of the Year last year. Everyone was real high on this guy. I understand why people are so sour on a six six point guard as you mentioned. Yeah, his shooting stats are down, but shooting is one of the things that you can actually improve. You can't teach six six. You can't teach some of these intangibles. And Michael Carter Williams, I think has a chance to be a premier player in the league. This is where we disagree. I think the yeah. Bucks got a got a great trade. He's only on his second year of his rookie deal. They flopped Brandon Knight. I understand he was playing well, but why is Brandon Knight now on his third team in four years if he's so good? Why can't he latch on anywhere? That's a legitimate question. Well, he wants they to get flipped. paid is, is the, well, the that's basic true. answer. He's going to be a free agent. But Michael Carter-Williams on that team... Next year with Jabari Parker, I think they're they've got two legitimate building blocks, and all they need to do is find a third. I'm not saying Michael Carter Williams is your number one guy, but I think he could be a number two or or a high end number three. And if Jabari Parker is what we saw him before he tore his ACL, yeah, that's a good one-two punch. Why would the 76ers give up on that when they had Noel and Embiid and, and maybe they could have paired him with Carter Williams? They already had their own pick that was probably going to be top five. So why do you need another one? The, yeah. the Minnesota Timberwolves once year had the fifth, sixth, and 19th picks in the draft. They drafted uh, Flynn, 
Rubio, and Ty Lawson. You want to yeah. know who went seventh in that draft? Uh, what what's his face? The 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 good point, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. So you can load up on all these top five picks and top ten picks at the end of the day. If you draft injured centers every year, you're gonna be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. They had a yeah, point yeah, guard. Yeah, but, but look, of those four point guards, Steph Curry's the only one that's that that's a star. Ty Lawson is good, but look at where the Nuggets are built around him. Five hundred. Right. I think Hinky looks is is looking at this like. If I don't have a superstar, they're expendable. I don't care about good rook, good players. If they're a rookie good player on their rookie contract, they're valuable as an asset for a draft pick in the future to get that superstar. If I don't have a superstar on this team, you're gone. And Because c- he doesn't want to be the Atlanta Hawks of the league who have made the playoffs, what, eight years in a row? Yeah, when have, when have they nice. ever intimidated it in, or made a title run? They're, they're always getting Wait. knocked out. He this, doesn't want to be that. This would be their eighth year in a row. Just to, this would be their eighth year in a row. Okay, and, and this might be it's their funny best that chance. You say that because that's what I've been saying about the Hawks all year long. That they're no different than they've been the last seven years. They're just beating up on the fact that Cleveland's been down in the East this week. But that's a debate for another podcast. Yeah, I but agree. I... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I agree that if you're not great, tank. But at some point, you have to turn these picks into stars they've picked in the top top six now i believe the last two years yep why don't they have rookies playing for them why aren't there guys playing i mean i understand everyone's expendable but at some point you have to start hoarding some of this talent and to me the defending nba rookie of the year is a guy that you can build is a block on your team he might not be the guy you build around but he could be a block on that team like kyrie irving I think he's much better. I think Kyrie Irving you can build around, but just think about that. If the Cavs had flopped Kyrie Irving for someone because, you know, that he wasn't quote-unquote a superstar fast enough, well, where would the Cavs be right now? I mean... Yeah, but you could... I mean, he you could tell. As soon as he he played his first game, Kyrie Irving had, had it all. The dribbles, the handles, the shot, the drives. And you can tell with these point guards. They, they grow on trees now. If you're not elite, then get out. I'm gonna draft another one who who could be elite, and I un- I totally understand what Sam Hinkie's doing. Michael Carr Williams, he's gonna provide spacing issues at the point. He can't shoot threes. You have you drafted two centers that are supposed to be studs. Uh, Michael Carr Williams, Nolan Noel, and Joel Embiid. I don't think that's a, a spacing dream. That's a spacing nightmare. And then you have to put you have to get a, a sharpshooter three in your shooting guard. I don't know. I you can find talent at the point guard position easily. I don't. I don't believe in Michael Carter Williams. I, I think the Bucks got a good trade. I'm just, I, I think I think Michael Carter Williams on that team with Jabari Parker next year. Parker obviously not playing this year, but I think Michael Carter Williams is a big gift for the Bucks, especially since he's on his rookie contract. I think he has a lot of room to improve. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. But I think he could be your high-end number three, low-end number two. And if they get another guy to pair with Parker and Williams, that could be a fun team to watch in the future. But we will I see. I, I just, I, I just, the defending rookie of the year for a pick that might not even materialize this year. Just, what are, what are they doing, man? 
They're, they're drafting injured centers and trading rookie of the years. I, I, what's the point of all this tanking if you're just going to trade the guys you tank for? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, but uh, instead of investing in something you don't believe in, you, you, you're giving yourself this perpetual one-year rebuild instead of five years down the line, oh, we messed up, we got to start all over again. I, we'll see. I do like that Brandon Knight got sent to the Suns, even though the Suns gave up that Lakers pick, which is a really valuable pick, even yeah. if it doesn't materialize this year. I like Knight and Bledsoe. I think that's even a better combination than Dragic and Bledsoe. I'm a fan of it because Knight is shooting lights out from the three, four, oh, five percent. I think that's fifth best among point guards. And now you're letting Eric Bledsoe be the the freak athlete, the the great driver and speed guy that he is. That's a good combination. I like it. I, I like the combo. I don't understand why the Suns felt the need to do it because once they traded Dragic and and um, you know once they traded him. They're pretty much punting on the eighth seed, the Oklahoma City. So why yeah. not hold on to that Lakers pick and gear up for next year? Because then you'd have two, you know, then then they'd have a pick that, if it materializes, would be sixth overall. A team that's on the cusp in the West, which is a much better team than being on the cusp in the East. I I think they should have held on to that asset and and tried to add another guy. You know, yeah, maybe definitely. Do the, maybe do the Dragic trade, but don't do the the don't give away that pick i don't understand what they were doing yeah it was a little puzzling especially since they they got those two first round picks you think they could have they could have dealt a different one because that lakers pick is is one of the the most valuable ones you could have right now right and who would have thought that i've been with the lakers top five protected that they're like there's no way we're ever going to be this bad yeah they're kicking themselves and yeah but but it's still top five protected since they're bad i mean they'll get the pick if if it's top five, and it very well could be. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, next year it's only top three, so I think it's definitely That's true. a possibility it reverts next year. Yeah. A, a trade that that ha- that the 76ers also made that probably was like the the cherry on top of head scratchers was KJ McDaniel's to Houston for a second round pick. I don't get that. But um, see, I don't, I didn't get it at first, but then I read into it. KJ McDaniels was drafted in the second round instead of taking the typical four-year deal where two years are guaranteed for about $4 million. He took a one-year $0 guaranteed deal for the rookie minimum, meaning he's going to be a free agent this year, meaning he had no interest in playing with the 76ers. (laughs) So they just got him out of there. And I know it's a head scratcher, but this is a guy, he got drafted by the, the worst team, the most perpetual tanking team in the league. And he's like, I I have no interest. I want to get paid more. I'm, I'm going to take this deal and I'm going to prove my worth. And, and he did. He's averaging nine points and has some good shot blocking skills. He's going to get some money and he's, now he's on a playoff contender. So I'm good for him for getting out of a bad situation. And it's something to look for now. Yeah, and, and, and that just goes back to my point. When you're a team that's always tanking, when you're always trading, why are you tanking if you're just going to trade away these assets? These guys you draft late in the draft are noticing it. No one's going to want to come to your team. If you trade guys yeah. like Michael Carter-Williams and draft injured centers, I, I just don't understand what Philadelphia is doing. I, I, I understand the logic of tanking, but they've been at this for like three years now. I mean, at some point, yeah. why? Where are the rookies that they're supposed to be tanking for? Why aren't they're they coming. Not on the floor? They're coming, when? man. 
when you're drafted the top six two years in a row, they should be on the floor right now. <laughs> They're coming next year. Four first round draft picks. I just can't wait. I mean, they're going to screw those up so badly. You can write that down. Come on. It's a, sh- it's a shotgun effect. They're going to get hit on at least one of those, right? Oh, fine. Okay. But if you if you go one out of four in the first round. <laughs> I don't right. think there's enough. You, most drafts, there's not enough talent to just for four first-round draft picks. Like, even if you hit, you're still going to miss because there isn't a, there aren't enough guys right. that are good. I, you're right. It's it's weird, it's funny, but I, I kind of get the philosophy, and I guess we'll see in the future. That makes one of us, man, because I don't understand what they're doing. You tank once, you get, you make the best pick you can, get that superstar, and then get the ball rolling. I don't, ah, whatever, man. I think we've, uh, I think we talked about everything except the, the swapping of the point guards for the Kings and Wizards sessions for Andre Miller, I, 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 I wrote that off as a wash trade really I think yeah just... i didn't i didn't understand it especially since miller had uh established himself in washington the need to get sessions who's been nothing but a disappointment really uh, sessions has been all right i mean i thought he played all right for the Cavs. i mean he's a good kind of combo backup guard yeah I, I mean i think he peaked back right. then the he's been kind of on a downswing ever since yeah. he left cleveland so i don't know i mean he he goes to the Wizards who are gonna make the playoffs, so so good for him. But uh Yeah. But yeah, sticking with basketball, we're gonna switch it up a little bit here. Uh now we've we've pretty much capped up the trade deadline, but last week there was an epic college hoops game. Arguably yeah, the crazy. best rivalry. That game was insane. Duke UNC. Um a Duke came back. Duke was killing him in the first half. Came back. Oh North Carolina came back. Yeah. Took a big lead with like a minute 30 left. And then Duke forced overtime and won. It was insane. It was fun. It was everything great about college basketball yeah. and great rivalries. If you love great college basketball, especially great offensive college basketball, because those teams were putting up points in bunches. Yeah, I think the uh, end of regulation was 82-82. Right. That's, that's ridiculous, high. yeah. For a college game, that's insane. And uh, you know, I think Duke at one point early in the second half was up by like 11. And then Duke or Carolina went on like a 13-0 run. It was insane. I thought yeah. Duke had the game lost. I'm like, I'll watch for a few more minutes, then turn off. And I saw Carolina make the run. I'm like, well, now, now I'm all in. I pushed all my chips into the center after that. <laughs> and so it was fantastic. Um, but everyone says Duke-Carolina is the best rivalry. Do you think it is the best? We're just talking college basketball here. Um you know, obviously there are other rivalries in football like Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, but they're not as big basketball-wise. Do you think Duke UNC is the best college basketball rivalry? Uh, yes, and I understand that there's one other rivalry out there that you might mention. I'm not sure where you're going to pick, but there's one other that is worth being mentioned, and I can understand the argument, especially currently that might be a more exciting rivalry but um duke and unc to me is is classic and timeless since i've really been born that's been the rivalry and they've they've dominated the the talk and the landscape of college basketball i read a stat um the past 50 years the odds of one of those two teams being ranked number one to start the year is one in three wow 
and yeah, and, and there are just tons of little stats like that. They have tons, tons of Final Four appearances, tons of great games between each other. They play in the same division, the same state. They're less than an hour away from each other, I think. Tons of, of tradition and, and talent. Uh, Roy Williams and, and Mike Krzyzewski, the current coaches, are are two of the best, especially Coach K. I, I had to give love out to him because he's – He's the cream of of all of all coaches in college and pros. Uh, I love it, and it to me it's like it's like Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, it it's just a timeless rivalry that that anybody really should get into. Uh, See, I, are you gonna go somewhere else? I want to, but I can't deny Duke UNC being number one. But there yeah. is one other rivalry that is on par with them and doesn't get enough respect and that is kentucky louisville for the sure bluegrass straight is just as deep and and basketball rich as carolina those two louisville does not get enough respect as a basketball powerhouse patino has kind of put them back on the map but back in the 80s they were a very very strong program and they have a lot of history and they don't get enough credit for that and i think that there's an extra chippiness in that rivalry because uk deservedly so they're a fantastic story program gets a lot of credit and so there's an extra edge in that rivalry and i think it could be as big as duke unc if they played it in february they play it in december it gets kind of on the national landscape it gets washed under the college football season college basketball doesn't really start until mid-january when conference play gets going they need to move that rivalry to when Duke Duke and UNC play twice in like two weeks. They always play in a, in a late Wednesday in February and then like at the end of the year. It's right. great. And then there's they a chance to, that they play in the conference tournament as well. Right. And, and, but I even think like because Duke and Louis, I mean not Duke and Louisville, Kentucky and Louisville are probably not going to be in the same conference for a long time. Yeah. If they were in the same conference, they'd have what Duke and UNC have because they would be, they would definitely rig that rivalry towards the end. But since they can't have that, they need to play it in February. They need to play a non-conference game in February. It's been done before. They could work it out. I, I think that, that if they played that game later in the year in February, for this, they branded this week rivalry week. If, if Duke, or not Duke, I keep saying Duke, Kentucky <laughs> and Louisville uh, play this week, I think all eyes would be on it. I think it would get the same kind of attention that Duke UNC does. I mean, Patino and Calipari have such a great kind of rivalry because they both had the same kind of path. Yeah. They both won their first national title at Kentucky. They both took three different teams to the Final Fours. The only coaches to do that. It it is kind of a cool thing that they've got going on now. When they met, they in the both Final have Four. greased back hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wear ridiculous suits. Well, that's more yeah, Patino. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when they met in the Final Four, that was amazing. That was one of my favorite games um, yeah. because I thought that that was just what college basketball is all about. But that's my point. They need to play that game later in the year when there's more on the line for college basketball, when there's more hype around college basketball. And I think Definitely. if they did that, it would get more notoriety. It's hard to top Duke UNC because they play in the same conference and the, and the whole conference championship and the conference tournament allure is there. Yeah. But I definitely think that that, that right it's it's those two rivalries in college basketball for me. Those are the two best. I think there's a drop off um 
after that. I mean, Akron and Kent State's pretty good, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Is that? I think that'd be third, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I it's think a pa- good rivalry, but I, I wouldn't say it's third. Yeah. Definitely not. I think I saw Patino and Calipari and, and Goodfellas. They were like in the back of one of the <laughs> scenes. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, man. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, but you know, all right. So so we're getting towards the end here. We got a couple quick hitters for you guys. Um, saw a story that the Chargers and Raiders are talking about. They're the latest two franchises and in, in the NFL that are going to set up shop in LA allegedly. Yeah. And they're going to pull the Giants Jets and uh, go all in for a super stadium. Uh, do you think, I mean, but but the, the aside to that is if they move, the NFL is going to make one of them, and it's likely going to be the Raiders, switch to the NFC West to split the same city teams. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is who from the NFC West should switch with them? Uh, I think you, you'd have to look at either the Rams or the Cardinals. I, I, you're absolutely not going to move the Seahawks and Niners out. That's your premier rivalry no, right no, no. now. Uh, the Seahawks I, used to play in the AFC West, though, but I don't that, think I, I wouldn't split that up. No, that's true. My my gut just says the Rams because they're also in this conversation of of, of change. They are also rumored to move to LA. I think they're they'll just switch because the NFL is talking to them. But, but um, yeah, it's interesting. $1.7 billion stadium. That's a huge number. I have to right. imagine probably 500, uh, 500 million of that is just for building in LA. But right. uh, yeah, it's interesting. And it'll be sad because Chargers Raiders is a, is a brutal rivalry and yes, they absolutely hate each other. And it's, you know, my friend told me it's a game that you, you don't want to go to. You just no, kind of want to watch on TV. Cause or, or, or go to with an opposing Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be uh, interesting. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it's necessary. Is, why do they have to move? Why not put this brutal rivalry in the same division and call it the Battle for Los Angeles? I mean, it sells itself. Yeah. Why do they that, have to move? I don't understand that. I think it's all or whatever. But I, I agree with you. I think St. Louis is the best fit only because they would have a natural in-state rival with Kansas City. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. you're totally right. That would be cool. That would definitely yeah. be cool. Because Arizona is just kind of a head-scratcher. At least the Rams would have a natural in-state rival with Kansas City, who it's still kind of weird thinking of them in the West Division. Yeah. you got a team from Missouri and then all these other teams. And then same with St. Louis, you know. you got two teams from Missouri in the West Division, but whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I think that would make the most sense just because of that in-state rivalry. For sure. And then I know you're a huge soccer fan, but uh, I, I know what you're going to say. They're talking about moving the 2022 World Cup to November and December. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Uh, (laughs) The reason why the World Cup is so popular in America is because it takes place in one of the most boring stretches of American sports calendar. Yes. The only thing it goes up against is the NBA Finals, and that's just for group play. Yeah, and then all you have to do is compete against baseball, and nobody watches baseball anymore. Uh now you're going to go up against American football. It's going to be a football. yeah, it's going to be a huge loss for the World oh, Cup yeah. and you know, given the choice between watching American football and soccer, Americans are going to choose American football 10 times out of 10. And I, I probably will be right there with them to be honest. I probably not. Actually, I love the World Cup. I'm going to Well, 
they're not going to be split because the games with the time shifts will be played at like 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or something like that. But yeah. they lose so much buzz. They yeah. dominate Sports Center. They dominate the headlines when they're in June and July. You move it to November, they're the 30-minute update. You know, college football, yeah. NFL, they're going to be the number one headline. And even the NBA will probably get some headlines over them. They're yeah. not going to get into it until like 20 minutes in the Sports Center. And I think it loses a lot of buzz. It gets bumped from the front page to a middle page. Any Every newspaper in America will put American football on the front over soccer. And I just think it loses a ton if it moves into uh, months where not only has to compete for ratings, but compete for buzz. I mean, so yeah, much it- of... That World Cup is a disaster, and yeah. I, you know, I I'm thinking about just not even watching it out of all the terrible things I hear about it, and this is just like the last thing that I've heard, and uh, I'm not looking forward to that World Cup. Thankfully, there's one in between that'll but be, it's gonna be good sad and fun. Because then, then you're gonna have eight years between a, a solid World Cup, and and it's gonna screw up the if they move it to November, December, the Euro League season. I mean, what are they gonna do about that? All those other you know professional leagues are. They they rig their their schedule around the World Cup. Yeah, I I have no idea, and and FIFA hadn't has has no idea. They had no idea why they gave them the the World Cup to begin with. They're they're as clueless as we are uh, in terms of running an organization. Uh, it's sad. It, it, the Not World happy. Cup is is a golden goose. How can you screw this up? Yeah, it's just it seems like it's so simple. I don't understand. Yeah, well, your first your first step is not giving it to a tiny nation that has no stadiums. That's well, probably that, that would be problem, probably the biggest red flag. Yeah, that's step one so, in screwing it up. So I don't understand why the NFL wants to split up Chargers Raiders. I don't understand why the World Cup is moving to November December. I don't understand what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing. You this were confused this week, yeah. I'm very confused this week. Hey, one thing we didn't talk about, Kevin Durant just had foot surgery. What do you think about that? that? Is, uh, it, it's saying that uh, that he's uh, it's supposed to be minor, that he will come back. So, obviously, that's something big to monitor. If it's uh, more serious than they're letting on, then uh, we may have to take back everything we said, kind of like with the <laughs> Miami Heat. Uh, yeah. Would have been the best team, uh, would have been the best low seed if uh, they had their star player. Yeah, for sure. I'm scared anytime a screw gets in foot inserted oh, into yeah. the foot, so uh, we'll we'll have to see and and come back and revisit that. But I think he'll be okay, and I think the Thunder will be okay. Hopefully. It, yeah, initial reports are it's not serious, but it could be one of those things that they're just leading people on. So you never know. Um, but hopefully, obviously, a speedy recovery because you know the NBA is always better when the stars are on the on the court. Absolutely. You want to see teams at their best. Yeah, so. same goes to Chris Bosh. I, I oh, hope he gets well for sure. Right, you never want to see anyone get hurt like that. You wanna, you wanna see them play on the floor. You wanna see the best players play. Yep, absolutely. But, all righty, man. We covered a lot of ground in this podcast as usual. Thank you guys. If you're still with us four weeks into this thing, we thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for your continued support on uh, Twitter and iTunes. Remember, FenleyRoadSports.com. You can subscribe via iTunes through our website. You can follow us on Twitter through our website or search Fenley RD Sports. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some more sports talk. Uh, NFL free agency is uh, right around the corner. All right. See you later, Chris. All right. Take care, Bob.